Thank you for joining me on this episode of Individual Contributor. My guest today is Doug Bieferman, who I met in 2004. He was on the original team uh, with me at Google. Do you want to say what you do now? Uh, sure. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Tony, for having me on, on the show. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm a software engineer, life, lifelong software engineer, and uh, I sort of fancy myself a computer science researcher. I now work uh, as a staff scientist, visiting scientist at uh, MIT Media Lab in the Laboratory for Social Machines, as it's called, uh, working on speech recognition and natural language processing. Um, but I've been four or five places before that. Yeah, and, and maybe we'll get get to some of those. Okay. Um, uh, but but before we get there, I like to ask people, how did they first get interested in computers? Sure. Yeah, in my case, uh, probably similar to probably similar to a lot of kids of the of the seventies, and that my parents, my my dad, uh, one day I think I was seven. I think it was nineteen eighty. He brought home an Apple II Plus, mm. and an LT Plus computer, and I uh, I was hooked pretty pretty immediately because well it didn't ship with a whole lot of, of software, uh, and so and I think that was you know as a virtue in some ways because in order to entertain myself with it I had to write <laughs> I had to write software oh. so uh, and of course the I don't know if you've ever you know read those. Com- the manuals for the Apple II in the early days, probably not, but, no, <laughs> but yeah. they're really well written and, uh, and they put a, a ton of, of care and thought into sort of uh, user and programmer education. And so they were accessible oh, wow. to me, even as a, I think I was eight, like an eight year old. Um, was it in basic? Yeah. Yeah. So I I, my first, my first programming language, I guess was AppleSoft basic, I see. um, which, you know, some of the demo programs that were on that right. set that shipped with the uh, computer were, um, were were written in BASIC so you could get their listings. I remember one of the programs uh, was this lemonade stand simulation. Oh, you, sure. Probably, yeah. I remember playing that. Yeah, yeah I think it, it may have even existed on other platforms. Yeah. The idea was that you... You decide, you know, every day there's a weather report yep. and there's the cost of the the inputs, like the... The, the, the sugar. sugar. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And you have to decide how many cups of lemonade to make, what price to charge, and then it simulates. It's a nice little introduction to yeah. cap- capitalism yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> for eight-year-olds, but right. it was also like a good introduction to programming because you could get the program listing. Um, I see. So would you edit the, the program and, and rerun it? Uh, I think I did a bit of that. Yeah, I would also make I, I I would make my own programs that sort of started out making simple adventure games, uh, sure, like the kinds of choose your own adventure type type things with very simple decision trees, right, right. Um, and then and then over time, uh, I made I made a lot of programs that uh, were sort of to help myself in school and, and to help my classmates in school. So I like made little quiz programs and study guides and. Mm. Uh, and, and games, I would make games as well. I mean, not just in basic, but I started you know, eventually learned 6502 assembly. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, and it was, um, it was great. I mean, it was like an incredible, incredibly satisfying, fulfilling creative outlet, uh, because I wasn't particularly good at other creative endeavors at the <laughs> time, right? Like I, I was rejected from every play that I tried out, <laughs> tried oh, out wow. for at school. See, see. You know, I wasn't really artistic. I wasn't athletic. But boy, I mean, it's just so amazing. And I'm sure you felt this yeah. too as a kid. It's so amazing to be able to just make this abstract thing and put it into 
uh, type it into the computer sure. and, then, and then get the immediate rush of seeing it live, yeah. showing it. I've got a lot, derived a lot of satisfaction from showing it to my, to, you know, my programs, to my parents and friends. And sure. Uh, did you know anybody else who was, who, who had access to a computer or was, was doing anything like, like, were you able to like share your... I, I had a lot of friends uh, in the 80s, you know, friends who had Apple, had computers, you know, Twos were common, so were Commodore yeah. 64s. And one. Uh, mostly, I'd say most of my friends played games. Right, and I, right, I did, right. I did game gaming as well. Uh, there weren't as many yeah. programmers. Now, I will say on the BBS, like okay. in the BBS world, right. which. So in the 80s and 90s, yeah. Maybe, yeah. yeah, well, mostly, yeah. The 80s, in the yeah. 80s, uh, BBSs became a thing. I want to say, right. I mean, I, I definitely got into the BBS world probably. Like eighty one or eighty two, I mean, pretty early, like three hundred baud modem days. Um, oh yeah, and there were there were places to to call and to you know chat with with other sure. other users, uh, PCs, and and what well, kind of eighty one? It's probably more like mid eighties. Right? Yeah. Uh, but in any case, yeah, I, I met other programmers on I those BBSs, and right. then would trade my programs with them. Sure, and, yeah, that's very. I see. So so you found a community pr- pretty early on then. Uh, that's right. Of other. Yeah, a lot of my memory is uh, me barricading myself in my bedroom, <laughs> which, you know, some regret over that now because they should have probably gone outside a little bit more as a kid. But, uh, but boy, I was really, I was really entranced and it ended up right. becoming a career, so I complained. Right. Uh, so, so I guess by the time you were leaving high school... You, you knew that you were going to study computers? No, uh, oh. I didn't uh, think, I, I never really thought of programming as a oh. career possibility for quite a while. Um, in high school, and so my father is, uh, was uh, an engineer, like a, okay. a chemical engineer. Sure. Um, sort of a hard, hard science guy. <laughs> right, right. And um, he, always, he always encouraged and still encourages me to kind of challenge myself and to... Um, Learn the hard part of uh, learn the hard and interesting parts of every subject, and mm-hmm. and in the you know I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it pushed me to become an engineer, but I think uh, maybe I felt uh, to a degree I felt that I wanted to follow in his footsteps, and so I wanted to be like a actual engineer engineer right. in high school, and I even I went to this summer uh, pre college program between oh. high school jets. You went to Illinois too, right? Jets. A junior engineering technical society. Oh. Um, I wasn't um, familiar with it, but yeah. So you might recall that the University of Illinois had an experimental nuclear reactor. It was oh, one right, of the right, few yes. few departments um, that that had a uh, well, one of the few universities that had a nuclear engineering department, and then oh, one one of the few that had uh, an experimental nuclear reactor. And I. I I got some bee in my bonnet when I was in high school that I wanted to like make cheap energy for the world. And this is when they oh, like, this is when like right, the right. cold fusion experiments were all that sort of the infamous uh, cold fusion uh, fraud from Utah sort of happened. And I was like, okay, I, mean, I want to learn this stuff and do it for real. And uh, I went to, you know, I did this engineering technical program between high school and college at that department uh, at Illinois um, or led by the, the head of the nuclear engineering department. And I'm like, and, 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 and it was like this 
few week program where we learned some very basic math. And I thought it was like really great. And that's what I want to do. So I enrolled at University of Illinois as a declared nuclear engineering major. Oh, wow. Um, okay. It's like, oh, it's going to be the, this is going to be the discipline of the future, which yeah. turned out to be completely wrong. <laughs> well. <laughs> I could not have been more wrong there. Uh, but then in the middle of college, I guess junior year, maybe late sophomore year, I started to have doubts because I wasn't uh, doing particularly well in physics, the advanced physics courses, and I also, more to the point, wasn't enjoying them. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then I thought, I had some epiphany at some point. It's like, well, maybe there was this computer, there were two computer science departments in Illinois, right? There's the, the one in uh, engineering-oriented one and the math-oriented one. And I thought, like, oh, wow, maybe I should do one of those uh, instead. I see. And since I was already in the engineering department, I decided to, like, oh, I'll just try out computer science. Right. Um, uh during your first couple years as as a as a nuclear engineering student, uh, did you have to take some some programming courses? Probably probably a little bit, maybe some Fortran, right? It wasn't Fortran. I think I think yeah, we learned we had a, I had a C plus plus course uh, as my first programming course. I can't remember what it was either sophomore or junior year. Yeah, but it was part of the general. I see. Distribution cards, and yeah. I was already programming, and I was actually a shareware author writing oh, programs on my own time, kind of thinking that that life uh, was just totally separate from like that's fun, and then but school is to learn to learn a real engineering discipline. Right, right. Because um, I guess back then there weren't that many software engineering wasn't as big a field as 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 it is now. Um, it it it. <laughs> It, like it the, wasn't like it, the web hadn't happened oh, yet, for sure. and so it, it wasn't. Yeah. It well, wasn't the web, clear. The web was happening at you know oh, while you were while there. I was there. It was oh, really nice. pretty incredible. But the, the you know the Mosaic browser oh, right, uh, right. emerged in ninety two. I think that was like when the first drop of Mosaic happened, oh, and that's, that's when that's I was true. a uh, sophomore. Yeah, um, and so yeah, that was all happening around me as as I was kind of having doubts about physics. And I, this, see, I see, and I. I didn't choose to switch into computer science because it, I thought that it was there were a lot of jobs. Because mm. at the time there were there were jobs for people graduating yeah. with computer science degrees, but they seemed I think they mostly seemed boring to me. Like yeah, right. You know, there was like Oracle and uh, IBM and Microsoft, um, and, and and a bunch of other right, uh, a bunch of other companies, but. I didn't see that as yeah. I mean, my, my motivation, I think, for for changing was just like this subject actually just interests me a lot. And, mm. and as it turns out, like e- even though, um, yeah, I mean, I was wrong about it being not being a real discipline because sure. computer science is filled with interesting, you know, yeah. uh, interesting mathematical rigor. That, but yeah, but maybe from the outside, the. The cachet of nuclear engineering seems seems way more exciting than yeah. Than, you know, cachet than, is a good word for than it. computer I think, science. Yeah. I think the epiphany I had was that I shouldn't care as much about cachet uh, yeah. and that I should do this thing. That is it? I, I feel like at Illinois, maybe it was a little less respected mm. com- as compared with other engineering right. majors. Yeah, I think so. I remember, in fact, Mark Andreessen. Yeah. Uh, or maybe, I think it was him. Someone said, "Well." Because he had like switched into computer science from electrical engineering, because yeah. computer science was like where where the electrical engineer dropouts go. Or something. <laughs> there was some 
some some um, right, aphorism right. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. because it is probably overall it's like easier to graduate with a career science degree if you want to to do the bare minimum. Right, um, and and I think uh, the abstract and mathematical nature of it, it it's kind of like uh, compared to you know the experimental and more like hard sciencey aspect of engineering. I feel like uh, that that difference. Uh, is pretty stark actually. Like, yeah, yeah. like computer science is actually not not that similar to something like mechanical engineering, right? And there's also it's not, more closer to mathematics probably. And there's than, not professional yeah. certifications that are required in the um, same way there are for right. other like civil engineering, right? right? So you can practice software engineering. Yes. Anybody can do uh, it. Yeah. Anyone can do it. Uh, maybe that's a bad state of affairs. Maybe there should be uh, certifications that are required. But And of course, there are certifications available on right, various right. things, but it's not like yeah. there's an expectation that if I build a bridge that I'm going to have right. certain yeah. right. uh, um, I see, I see. Uh, so when you switched to computer science, you, you found that you enjoyed it more and then you ended up getting getting your opinion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then upon graduating college, uh, what were your thoughts about like where to apply and, oh, and jobs? Well, and, so yeah. my junior year uh, at I don't know, or maybe between sophomore and junior years, I interned at Microsoft. It was oh, okay. uh, one of the first first of three internships there that I did there, and um, it's funny, but like that was it, probably an exciting time to be at oh, Microsoft. Super exciting, yeah. It was, uh, so. I just lucked out. It's one of the many times in my career I've sort of been at the right place at the right time. Because yeah. um, uh, Windows ninety five probably right. come so, out recently. And yeah. Well, actually, when I first interviewed, which it was nineteen ninety three, that I did, oh. that I interviewed for the internship, and I went, I was on campus in, in Redmond, going going through the interview circuit, and all of the first few interviews were with the Windows NT team, which had not Windows NT, I think, had not quite been released. They were so, uh, and and. I found that dreadfully boring. I just didn't, I didn't, didn't want to work. I hadn't yet taken an operating right. systems course, and I didn't. Um, yeah, it just somehow it just didn't appeal to me. And then at the end of my interview circuit, there was this one group within Microsoft Research, the speech technology group, um, where the, the the manager there. Um, I think I was, uh, you know, he told me about what they were working on, and I was so entranced by the problem of speech rec- voice recognition that he was working on that I just I showed an incredible amount of enthusiasm. I think uh, uh, I I feel like I probably bombed those first few interviews with the Windows NT groups, but then somehow, and I probably also technically bombed the, <laughs> the speech <laughs> interview as well. But um, you know, God bless him, he. He took a chance on me and offered me an internship I see. in the speech research group. And then that, uh, and then I did that again a couple more times. Uh, you know, Illinois had this co-op program. Where you oh, started. I didn't know wait, that. Wait, were you not? A... I was only there for, as a, for a master's degree. Oh, so okay. I, so I'm not, I'm not <laughs> actually that familiar I'm with I'm talking to you program. almost as yeah, though yeah. you're like another. Yeah. Uh, right, okay. Uh, yeah, sorry, I didn't, I guess I had not internalized <laughs> that. But now, I, now that yeah. I think about it, I, I remember. So, um, so, uh, so I did, did those internships and I became really enamored with speech recognition, which is this very, I mean, it's, it has, it's a problem with many interesting components, I think, that are each individually interesting, uh, uh, your science problems. And so I, 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 I I took, I, 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 um, so I fell in love with the 
statistical language modeling side of, right. of the problem, like the part of speech recognition, which is about just predicting the words that people are going to say. And um, sorry, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. I so with the work that I did in those internships, I got you know recommendation from I see. the group. There was mostly there were mostly refugees from Carnegie Mellon University. I see. Uh, some of them, I think, still had. A, Appointments there, and so I, that was my end to grad school at, at, at Carnegie Mellon. So that I, so I went to grad school. I did not jump into industry. I see. Oh, I yeah. I didn't know that. Um, and then at Carnegie Mellon, were you part of the speech yeah, research group? I worked in I speech see. and language modeling for a while. I um, I actually I was in the PhD program, but I only got as far as sort of finishing the <laughs> master's requirements and publish a few papers, and then right. I got. Um, well, various things uh, happened, but I eventually went to uh, Lycos, the search engine that was also lo- that had actually come out of Carnegie Mellon. That was also located in Pittsburgh. Oh, I didn't realize and that. that. Okay. And that was my first my first job was at, at Lycos. From, I see. Like ninety eight to something. Got it. Uh, so jumping back a little, when you were doing speak speech recognition in the nineties, uh, was it using like early machine learning type concepts or, or yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, oh, it yeah. could definitely be considered machine learning. Right. I mean, um, it's just specific uh, to speech. I mean, yeah. It was, it was not using the I kind guess there of statistical models. Yeah, yeah. They were more statistic. Like, so, so, so these days, right. of course, speech recognition systems tend to use deep learning models. Right. Which right. Are yeah. Which, very different form, although they're actually yeah. sort of similar and, Form to what was attempted in speech recognition many decades ago, but right. in the mid '90s, anyways, they were more yeah. uh, were called hidden Markov models, and, right. and uh, language models were more statistical, uh, more sorry, more um, uh, very simple uh, engram models. Um, right, but it, it still is was heavily influenced by like Peter Norvig's AI book from I think that. That book's been around for, for a while, yeah. Uh, yeah, there, there may there probably was some influence yeah. there. Yeah, he was I very see. influential. Yeah, uh, um, it is a search problem. I know, of course, Norvig focuses on on, right. on, on, on sort of makes search sort of central to what the AI is definitionally, and I think right. you know speech recognition is a search problem. So oh, well, it's very I much see. In, in that spirit. I see. Uh, in in some ways. It, it's kind of fortuitous that 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 you ended up in that space uh, in in the '90s before yeah. before you know it it blew up. Yeah, well, yeah, like, it's 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 um, it's more a, recently. One thing we were working on at Microsoft in '95 was a speech recognition for a for the Palm Pilot, basically, or for right. for, yeah. a, for Windows, a pocket device yeah. for a PDA, which we didn't. Yeah. You know, so one of my uh, projects was to reduce the memory footprint of, mm. of the speech recognition such that it could fit on this device. And the whole project ended up, the whole device project ended up getting canceled. I think it was just way ahead of its time. It's a lot of the, the sort of PDA type projects before the Palm Pilot were like yeah. a little bit, trying to do a little bit too much. Like I see. Well. Um, anyways, it's, it's, and then, and then we also worked on, worked on command and control stuff for Windows, like, things where you could use your microphone and say oh, sure. like open yeah um, right solitaire or whatever really which right. worked well but it wasn't particularly useful yeah so the bottom line is like speech recognition just wasn't right. uh it wasn't ready the, the dream of it was yeah, yeah was a little it still had its application in certain yeah. communities uh for sure like um, yeah for, for for people who have trouble um, um 
using other sure. internet devices. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't mainstream. And now, yeah. now it's much more mainstream. I see it. Plus now, of course, the data and the processing right. power. Yeah, and advances in machine learning, mm-hmm. deep neural nets. Yeah, yeah. All, sure. all that have, have made it much more relevant today. That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's that's very lucky yeah, <laughs> in, yeah. in, in many ways. Um, uh, uh, okay, so then you went to Lycos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but at Lycos, I, I guess you weren't working on speech specifically. No, yeah. Lycos is the one place that I've worked at which had nothing to do with, or I guess one of two places I've worked at that had nothing to do with speech. We had, um, I worked purely on, on analyzing logs, <laughs> basically a Lycos, uh, analyzing search logs in particular and uh, using the data from search logs to improve yeah. the quality of the search engine in various ways. And, I see. Um, I guess that was my sort of main project and also lengthification. Um, I see. Porn detection. You know, uh, various other things that are ancillary to uh, search. And then I guess you were at Lycos. While you were at Lycos, you weren't thinking about. Uh, you weren't necessarily. Uh, I guess the question: While you were at Lycos, were you thinking about like getting promoted or being a manager or like career decisions? I guess. <laughs> well, you know, uh, no. So I've never had. Yeah. It's like absent from my brain. I've never had career ambition per se. Like I've right. never. For myself, wanted a better title. Right. Um, I do know that at Lycos, while I was at Lycos, I think my first title was research developer. Hmm. And then at some point, it was maybe my mom or maybe dad asked me, uh, wait a while, are you going to get promoted? Have you been promoted? Or what? Uh, yeah. where, are you, you know, where are you going with this? And I then asked my manager, yeah, hmm. if I'm like, hey, could I get you know a nicer title? He's <laughs> like, hey, yeah, sure. And the funny thing is, like, was a pretty, it was like a flat organization. There wasn't like I wasn't going to become the manager of of the research team. I didn't want to, right? Uh, uh, but you know, he made me senior research developer. I see. So then I got the senior in front of my title. And I wrote, you know. Wrote back to my, my mom saying, "Hey, I'm, I've been promoted to <laughs> the, senior." The, there was no like pay bump or anything. It was. Just, I don't think there was. No, <laughs> no, no. But I, I didn't. Yeah, and it's it's it, it's it was right. nice to be recognized. Right. Um, it wasn't something I felt that I, yeah. I needed. And and when you left Lycos, it that was maybe not not a choice in two thousand and three. I I don't know where where, where was Lycos. How, how was Lycos doing in two thousand three? Oh. Uh, it was it was <laughs> it was it was not doing as badly as the other okay. uh, internet companies, and there were there were layoffs. I was not part of the layoffs. Yeah. Um, the uh, impetus for me, but I, I, yeah, it's it was like hard to be at. The, there were like two or three rounds of layoffs, and it just kind of became yeah. a sucky place to work. Yeah. Very demoralizing. All the yeah. people I liked were gone. Right. Um, <laughs> um, I left in middle of 03 I had wanted at that point I had wanted to work at Google for a while hmm. I had applied once and been rejected uh, and then in mid in then late 2003 they got back to me again and okay then, sure uh, and then because my old manager from Lycos was by then working at Google oh. I think they re-reviewed my sure. my case and eventually I, I did an interview again but they gave me an offer so. I see 
Um, and that's how I ended up at Google. Right. All of us at Lycos from like 2002 on were like aware that Google was going to eat our lunch. But yeah. It still survived. The company, Lycos was one of the rare profitable internet companies through like 2002, 2003. And then it still exists. I think it even still exists today. Oh, really? Believe it or not. If you yeah. go to, we could get well. <laughs> we can for, for, another, yeah. for another time. <laughs> it's like, it's still, right. I think, a functioning. It, they outsource their search technology, so oh, it doesn't sure. do its own right. red crawl. But they probably stuff. still do some ad management something. or something. Yeah. Yeah. I they were this, by then, they were this. by the time I left, they were this conglomerate that owned all these other websites. Like You may know, you remember GeoCities and yeah, yeah, yeah. the homepage community? Those were Lycos properties and oh, but Hotbot and I thought, Matchmaker. And, I thought GeoCities got bought by Yahoo. Or sorry, Hotbot. I didn't mean GeoCities. I meant tripod. I'm tripod. Sorry. Oh, one of the other websites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the other. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah. GeoCities was right. owned by. There was like Yahoo. Tripod and Angel Fire yeah. and Tripod and Angel Fire were yeah. the, the two that the like, so. I see. Anyways, um, similar product. Yeah. Uh, I see. Um, and then while you were at Google, did did you have any uh, uh, career aspirations or? Um, I do remember, like, so 04, which is when you were there as well, mm-hmm. was a very, very, so exciting to be at Google at that time. Um, and not just because it was the IPO, but also, like, that I feel like there was this incredible rush of this sort of Cambrian explosion of products that came out then. Yeah, uh, right. Sort of like when... They expanded G- beyond search. Yeah. Around 2004. Gmail, right. maps, yep. desktop search, and all this stuff, like, yep. came out then. And it was so such an exciting time to be there. And... Um, so I was really glad to arrive when I did, just because it was, it was it was it was so exciting. But also, I feel like I was very motivated to work hard in '04, mm. and I worked so hard that like that first year, I got like an off the charts performance mm. number uh, or whatever it was, like, outstanding exceeds yeah. expectations. Exceeds, whatever exceeds, exceeds, yeah. Uh, uh, no, no, yeah. there was there was a oh, there's like, one, there's, there's one like above exceeds. Yeah, the, the, the yeah. outstanding. I've had the outstanding. Yeah. Like and, astronomical uh, performance. It's something <laughs> like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And I totally deserved it in 04. And then everyone then, um, oh, I think we had the same manager and yeah. also like uh, the other people I work with are like, oh, yeah, you should go for a promotion. And, yeah. uh, so I was, I was like promoted then and I felt some energy. Like it's, of course, I felt great having the respect of, of, of my peers. Um, but I didn't, um, I didn't want to become a manager per se, but right. of course the ads team, which you and I were mm-hmm. both on was growing yeah. very quickly. And I think they needed management. Yeah. Um, and, more, and you more had been there longer than yeah, most well, everybody yeah. else. <laughs> <laughs> we, quickly, you know, before you joined Google and you're quickly, you know, uh, more senior than most, most of the people there. Yeah. Cause they were growing months. so yeah, fast. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I do feel I, I wouldn't say pressure. No one, right. uh, no one ever pressured me exactly, but there was like some sense that if I wanted to go become a manager, maybe this was you know here this is a great place right. for you to do it. And so my manager and yours can I yeah name Sonder? I, I think uh, I oh, think yeah. so yeah D- Diane yeah yeah uh, she had sort of she was my mentor. Well, wait, I guess not me was my mentor yeah. Um, she was like an informal mentor, and I think she she was it sort of guided me into tech leadership, right? Uh, you know, for those in your right. audience who don't know, I mean, like the, the role of tech lead is a non managerial role in which you are the um, 
well, how would you describe it, actually? Well, well it can be a managerial role. Uh, yeah. uh, the tech lead normally is responsible for the, the direction of a, a specific project, right. whereas a manager has additional responsibilities, which is more like the, the career of of their reports as well. Right, right, um, right, right. Like, like a, a manager would have responsibilities of doing one-on-ones and, and discussing promotion and stuff like that, whereas a tech lead, I think, more focuses just on getting the product, whatever you're working on, shipped. Right, right. Uh, and so um, pretty quickly I became like sort of mini tech lead or tech lead of very small, in some cases, one-person projects at, at Google. Mm-hmm. And then right. and then in pro- uh, tech lead of projects that were more than one people. And I guess I guess the Rasta project, which we, oh, were, right. we were both yep. on at various times. Yeah. You were, well, I guess you were on the project when I, I don't know, did we overly, it's funny, I can't remember. A little bit. I think I, you were, I started on it and then I, I think I handed it off to to you. Right, 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 right. So, um, oh, that's right. So that project grew to five or six people while I was tech lead. And then I think, um, in, you know, Diane, of course, was a tech lead and also a manager. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think the way that the whole team as quality team was growing, I think there was certainly an opportunity for me to become, uh, to grow my tech lead responsibility and also potentially and or potentially become try for the sort of manager track that, that, that was there, but that didn't, it didn't particularly interest me. I see. Uh, and, and you were satisfied continuing to be a tech lead, um, yeah. Uh, w- on on the current team and project, um, did you ever feel uh, like 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 this was the area that you wanted to focus on, or, or w- did you want to work on other projects uh, uh, at the time? Um, uh, you mean like ads quality? Or, uh, yeah, or like yeah, within yeah. within ad, like ads quality versus some other part of the company, because because like you said, the, uh, the company was. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, think, I feel like I arrived at Google with this list of like ideas that I kind of was interested in, yeah. and, and I didn't actually choose to work on ads. I mean, most right, most, yeah, exactly. Yeah, when you joined, when Google, I started, I didn't. Yeah, when we started, we were just kind of you're just kind of a, which it makes perfect sense. You're assigned, yeah, uh, to some team, and but I found ads very interesting, and I found yeah. the infrastructure, like the the experimental infrastructure. Ads ranking to be very yeah. interesting problems. Um, so I, I really enjoyed uh, the ideas and the work and the sort of computer science and the uh, and also just just seeing seeing the work actually productionized was very yeah. fulfilling. But I I think I knew after a year or two that well I probably want to work on other stuff right. uh, at Google at some point. And right. so it's like probably. Three three years in or so, I switched uh, transferred. Yeah. I see, uh, and and you were mostly motivated by uh, just just your interests, like you you're yeah. interested in working on a different project, yeah, or a different think, area, maybe. Right, and that's probably yeah. why I bring individual contributors that I tend to. I just want to be. I'm mostly enamored with the mm-hmm. ideas, and right, uh, I want exposure to as many different ideas over the course of my career and uh and and by ideas here i mean i I really mean in computer science i mean uh and 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 i wanted so at at google i'm like well this is a huge company that's doing so many different things that interest me it's just like i was like a kid in a candy store 
uh, ads is great, but I also really, at the time, I really cared about, like, I was really interested in local targeting and the uh, oh, IP geolocation. Sure. And I was really interested in using these, using the log data to do other kinds of prediction tasks. And I right. was interested in, um, you know, I worked on some of the stuff that became flute, like the flute trend stuff. Like oh, right, right. right. Uh, Google Correlate. Oh, that's right. right. Um, I forgot you worked on flute trends with... Uh... Matt, Matt Mohebi. Uh, yeah, well, I actually worked on the first incarnation of Flu Trends with uh, Google.org with, with Larry Brilliant. And, and oh, Matt, okay. And yeah, yeah. yeah Matt, Matt uh, joined uh, right. later with, and actually they did a slightly different approach. Our initial initial approach was based, well, anyways, maybe a summary oh, another okay, time. Okay, but, okay. I, I, um, I didn't know, realize you had worked on that part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then now it's interesting in Google Trends. I was interested in all these yeah. different things at Google. And I think I either, either have a very short attention span or just a very wide range of, uh, of interest. So I feel like no group is going to, I'm not ever going to be interested in one group long enough to become a manager because like, right. well, that requires this pretty, like a sustained <laughs> commitment. And you, and that's the thing, that's like, interesting. The, yeah. like the thing about being a manager is you're, uh, in my view, anyways, and this is not obviously, uh, I don't think there's a document that makes this a requirement. Right. But I feel like when if you become a manager, you're signing up to mm. kind of own that work for a, for a fairly long time. Like I don't I think I could become a manager of a group without seeing through, like the because then I would feel sure. very emotional. I feel very emotionally invested in the sure. careers of of, of the right. people who work in the group, and I would want to see see it through yes. for like three, four, five years. Right. Um, as yes. it, yeah, and I can still as a as a tech lead, you can still be emotionally invested sure, in right. the careers of yes. your peers. But uh, you, in effect, you kind of have a chance to right. you switch teams off, and you have a chance to have kind of more peers over time too. So, <laughs> well, yeah, um, and there's there's also the aspect of you know just having worked on something for a number of years, right. you want to see it succeed, right, right, uh, right, right, and and even even switching teams at that point, there's there's you know uh, you know sometimes responsibility for whatever project you left, so, right, right, yeah, right. Um, and, and it, it it is always hard to, to yeah, and also the you know if you're a manager necessarily uh, some fraction of your time is spent on on yeah. non technical, I mean, and I think for a lot of right. managers at Google, I think it's like a hundred percent. Oh yeah, yeah. Been, <laughs> exactly. Um, and, uh, I, I that 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 scares the hell out of me. The idea of yeah. like like losing uh, right. even for a year or two, kind of losing touch with, and I don't necessarily mean like skills in particular programming sure. programs or languages or whatever, but just kind of drifting too far away from the right. the core matter at hand, which is the, the computer yeah. science, right? Like I want to stay close to that, right? Because because that's. That's what's fun about it in the first place. For me, yeah, yeah. yeah. For a lot of people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the actual engineering or science or math aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's probably also what's interesting about what motivates wanting to switch teams. Because at some point, you know, a lot of the, the, the hard problems are solved. Yeah. Or, um, and, and there are some maintenance tasks, but it's, it's more fun yeah. to, to learn about some, some new hard problem or solve some new hard problem. And, and right, a lot of that I think is, a lot of it I think is luck in the timing that, that you happen to be software engineers, that a lot of things are being discovered, um, um, you know, in the last 10, 10 15 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, but also a lot, 
I think it's the nature of the field where right. where it, it's just constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. And the I, I think it's even if somebody wanted to become like a career like web developer or right. something, I I think it has changed drastically oh, in, in the last oh ten gosh. years. Where even just building a simple website <laughs> is nothing at all like it was ten years ago. Yeah, no, um, I when I ever I sit down to actually make a new website and end up using if I use something like jQuery, I'm like, oh, this is the, uh, this is the cutting edge, right? And then I turn to my web developer friend. Uh, no, actually, we're like four frameworks on from that. Exactly. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so, uh, I, I guess, I guess anybody who who had, who remains interested in computer science, the engineering aspect for for ten plus years, uh, must have some innate interest in. in constantly like learning new things or or this is not the field for you right, 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 <laughs> yeah right, right. yeah uh, <clears throat> yeah that's that's fascinating um and so uh i i guess yeah i guess you never felt uh the need to you never felt forced or the need to become um, a manager because you were able to achieve uh, the things you wanted to um <clears throat> yeah i'd say as an individual contributor. um Right, and I'd say like <clears throat> if you and we were having this sort of discussion yeah. earlier. Uh, like for some people, I think becoming a manager is maybe necessary in some job categories. It may be right. necessary to become a manager in order to have to get the compensation needed uh, to achieve the sort of material right. <laughs> outcomes you want in life. Uh, I think we're fortunate as yeah. software engineers, well, as software engineers and also as software engineers at Google, right. uh, that that was never necessary. Right. So in terms of like, you know, material outcomes, that's yeah. sort of off the table. And then the other, uh, there are other really good reasons, I think, to, to, to want, want to become a manager. Right. Um, but those, uh, at least as yet, have not, right. have not sort of front and center in my mind. Right, right. That's great. Um, uh, so, one topic we haven't really talked about uh, uh, is um, uh, imposter syndrome, oh. which which I think is 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 not talked about as much as <laughs> as as it as it probably is obvious, uh, or as much as it happens. Um, but but you know, uh, if I don't know if you have any standout memories. Of, well, I, I I feel like my whole life has been. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. One episode of imposter syndrome after another, and actually, um, if you <laughs> uh, if you like trace back my career, almost to the like I mentioned that the interview at Microsoft and how I felt like I was almost the internship opportunity was almost like a sympathy thing. It felt like at the time, <laughs> and then I only got into CMU because I just happened to know people from <clears throat> that group, and then I only got into Lycos because I uh, right. that happened to come from CMU, and then I only got into Google I because see. my manager at Lycos uh, happened to move to Google, and then my the startup that I worked for a- after Google, uh, well, they were only because I had worked with with one of the founders at Google, and then now I have this this uh, this job in academia, which I only got because I knew someone um, from a a prior project and so like i feel like you know life has has so far been these these connections which seem um in hindsight they seem like really tenuous like what if one of those things hadn't happened and, and it's right it's like mostly been driven by these by these coincidences and by being at the right place at the right time um and so i think that is i guess when i step back i'm like I well, that's imposter right right because you know 
probably I, I well, I would have done okay for myself if I were born at a different era. Like it's hard for and, me and to also, even imagine. Have you ever thought about what you would have been if there was yeah. in an era where there wasn't computers? Right, right. Like, if I was born, <laughs> like, you know, like like. 50 years I, I earlier. Yeah, like yeah. I have no skills in anything else. Like, what would I do, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, but, but, but yeah, you know, maybe it was luck that you got some of these. But also, you know, like your manager at Lycos who wanted, who you right. knew at Google, I mean, he probably thought you were very good and, and wanted you there. Like, because you it, had skills, it, it, it wasn't completely uh, luck per se. Yeah. And then I think... After arriving at each of these places, I've always felt that the people around me are much more accomplished. Yeah. I've even I even felt that at my at my last company, at my startup, like there were these new a few of the new hires right out of college were like so yeah. like they would hit the ground running and, and such so ferociously they would be like they would know so much about right. machine learning and I'd be like, Oh my god, I'm right, like right. I have all this experience on my resume, but you are actually more productive. Like what? What the hell? Like that, so I actually felt imposter syndrome even when I was nominally like their tech lead, right. more, much more senior than them. Uh, so yeah, that's that's been uh, yeah. ever, ever ever present. I don't know if it go away. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it, I think that's just the consequence of working somewhere that that attracts really talented people. Uh, and I'm sure the same thing happens uh, at, at Media Lab uh, because. You know, these are some of the, you know, yeah. some of the top top people in their fields. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that way now. Yeah, I'm surrounded by uh, grad students who work yeah. what seem like thirty hours a day, and yeah, it's really impressive. Yeah, <laughs> and and some of it is is probably also just youth, <laughs> right? Uh, they, they probably have more energy. And... They don't need to sleep, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> and, and they have less like work life balance concerns probably than yeah than. As, as people get older. Anyway. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but it's very real. Did you ever... I'm sorry to turn the no, table. No, 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 sure. What did you, did you sure, feel? Sure, yeah, no, all, all, all the time. And, and I felt like a lot of it was just luck uh, in getting hired at Google. Uh, even even uh, even grad school, I felt like, uh, was, was, yeah, was, was getting lucky. Um, yeah, especially because, uh, for me, uh, I went to a liberal arts undergrad and then I went to University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign for a master's, um, and my undergrad was not known for computer science at all. And so, so I, I felt like I, I, I was super fortunate to have made it to to UIUC uh, yeah. uh, from from a liberal arts with, without <laughs> without a very good uh, computer science background. My my degree my undergraduate degree wasn't even in computer science. What um, was it? In? So. Uh, I went to Miami University of Ohio, and at the time, um, they had systems analysis. Because back in the, I don't know, maybe mid or early 90s, they thought systems analysis was going to be bigger than computer science. Um, they're very similar, but slightly different. Um, and mostly they just pick on <laughs> uh, and, and so, like, being like an accredited computer science program, uh, I think they actually just added it the year that I graduated was the first year that somebody else happened to graduate with it uh, with a computer science degree. But I, I didn't make those changeover or I hadn't taken the right classes or something to, to meet those requirements anyway. Um, but yeah, uh, but, but I still uh, was fortunate that I was able to get accepted at, at UIUC. Um, and I also feel like uh, in and of itself, like 
uh, I did a lot of programming contests, and mm. I feel like had I not done those, and had I not, you know, and, and a lot of my success in programming contests was, uh, I felt like my teammates, my teammates, because it, it was right. their, their team contest, um, I, I feel like uh, without them, uh, I would not well, have stood out. Sure, um, sure. Well, what, yeah, what I tell um, new, uh, new new hires and uh, people just getting into the field is that like software engineering is a much more social endeavor than you may mm, think it right, is, right. and that your success uh, is is much more interdependent on the success yeah. of the people around you than you may realize, and so <clears throat> like really skill at the career of being a programmer is not the same thing as just like your expertise in right. programming language or your ability to do programming or math contests or whatever. It is also uh, it is also your ability to work within this this, yeah. this web uh, to, to 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 help your teammates and to be helped by your team to ask the right questions and all yeah. of these very social activities. So I've realized that more and more over the years. I think I've appreciated mm. that fully. I mean, and, and it's definitely true as companies get larger that the social or, or maybe the political aspects right. start becoming a, a bigger part of a part of the job for, for better or worse. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. The political yeah. aspects of another cuttlefish entirely. Yeah. But even <clears throat> even at the lower level, like even yeah. in a just even a you know very well functioning team that's doing some some yeah uh, feature product like uh, yeah. social skills are. Are vital social skills in the sort of broadest sense, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, right. So if you have imposter syndrome, just remember that like right. you shouldn't be comparing yourself to those people around you. You're actually that's right. You're in the network. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You are of them. You are with them. You're 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 all one. I don't know. Yeah. It, in many ways, programming has become more social, um, and and I think in large part. Uh, code review oh, yeah. ha- has influenced that heavily oh, yeah, and, and maintainability of code and and it's interesting um, it's interesting I I worked in 2017 uh, with some contractors uh, for the US government uh, and they, there was a lot of apprehension about code review because they felt it was very like somebody telling them that they were making mistakes oh, right. <laughs> rather than like the social aspect. <clears throat> right. Like the real value of code review is is in being able to share the knowledge of how something works and like collaboratively designing and building something, mm-hmm. not not in like telling somebody they're doing it wrong. Right. Uh, although, you know, if you're not familiar with it, it, it can often feel, feel that way. Yeah. But yeah. I, yeah, and I think... Um... One other trend that sort of new in the last 10, 15 years is yeah. just the explosion of publicly, like, well, I mean, open source and the, yeah. uh, the fact that there's so much interaction now between people all over the world yeah. solving, uh, solving problems as part of open source projects. And so right. in that, those projects, both the, the code, but also the sort of histories of them, like, yeah. The code review histories, the discussion groups are right. all publicly available, and that's part of that is actually part of of, of yes. what we do, right? That's not overhead. That is right. 
do the job, right? And I think in, you know, on a typical day, I don't know about you, but on a typical day, I'm not typing That's lines right. into a, my, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not writing code for right. even, I would say not even 10% of the day. Right. I, I'm not even the manager, right? I'm gonna, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, most of right. what I do is yeah. design, uh, discussion, yeah. Uh, all of these other things. Yeah, yeah. I, get, I guess an early example is the, the Linux kernel mailing list, which right. has, you know, there's a lot of discussion, and, and that is a lot of the work. What do you think is the, the most uh, toxic and the least toxic <laughs> open source project? Sorry, I'm trying to make, I'm trying to <laughs> no, make your no, podcast no. controversial. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. I want, I'll, I'll, just, I'll start, because I, uh, I, I think the uh, Postgres uh, is the best community oh, really? open source. Uh, uh, contributors that I've, I've seen. I mean, I'm not a contributor right. myself, but I frequently find myself in their two groups, and they treat each other with oh. such respect. Right, and, right. And so civil. And yeah, and, and the I think Python, oh, the Python community yeah. is also very friendly and welcoming. Yeah. And um, ha- have you ever been to a PyCon before? No. Uh, it, it's just so happy and friendly <laughs> compared to most uh, most tech conferences, and and it's not very techy at all. There are a lot of like researchers or 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 grad students or who are using Python for data analysis. And um, anyway, yeah, uh, and they have they have goals about like getting uh, more women involved in core Python development and like who's going to mentor. And anyway. It, it, it's a very friendly and, and, and they just want everybody to, co- to come, come uh, nice. you know, work, help, help hack on Python. That sounds yeah. lovely. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, toxic, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Toxic's a lot harder to uh, answer. There's just so many to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, before we end, uh, uh, when I remember, I like to ask uh, if, the, if you can think of three things you're, uh, that you're positive about or uh uh in the outlook of like computer science or the the way that technology is going uh that that you are are happy about um that if if you can if you have any ideas wow so you're oh you're asking for three trends that i see that i'm i'm happy about yeah I think overall I'm a little pessimistic. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. That is the purpose. It's hard for me. To, that is the purpose of this activity I mean, because to get back to me because it's that. very easy to like complain about so many things in in, in tech. Uh, uh, but but um, uh, it I feel like it's a good exercise to to think to to you know highlight the the things that you're excited about. Whew, okay, I think I'm, I may need a, a moment sure, to, sure. to, to yeah. think of a few things, which yeah. could lead to a very long and awkward pause on your podcast. <laughs> oh, no, but, I mean, we can but cut of course that out. Yeah. That exactly. Um, that I, uh, I definitely like increasing levels of engagement of minorities in tech, mm-hmm. at least as reflected in yeah. the metrics that I see from, from Google. I don't know about other companies. Uh, I haven't really... Uh, well, okay, it's not a very data-driven statement, but because I have Google. Yeah. I think that's... You know, that's definitely a positive sign. Um, or have you like read a research paper that 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 seemed really promising? Or I, I I'm glad. So I'm I'm not a um, like AI fearmonger, but uh, <clears throat> I do feel that the so-called thing companies do not have not sort of sufficiently. Uh, 
sort of vetted the things that they do for various unintended social consequences. And I'm glad, one thing I'm, I'm glad to see, and I feel like it's emerged just in the last two years, is more divisions at these companies that mm. are specifically focused on, for example, fairness in AI. Sure, yep. I think fairness in AI would be the other uh, subject. It's very important to me personally uh, yeah. in, in some of the work that I'm doing, but also um, I'm just very glad very right. glad to see it at, at uh, I've, I've heard you know this group at, at, at Google and yep. in Boston that's focused on uh, you know making sure for example that word embeddings that are created from textual training data do not right. uh, do not reinforce uh, right. biases again. yeah biases that do exist in the training data right. but you do not wish to propagate yeah. propagate into a product that makes yeah. decisions that may further undermine those populations. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and something I'm looking at, like yeah. right now in my own group, is the way that speech recognition disfavors. Mm, <laughs> um, right, right. Like in pronouns and usage. Oh no, and actually, I meant just the accuracy, like uh, you know, the accuracy of a speech recognizer. Oh, I like see. A, like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's still the case with Alexa, uh, but or even if it's with Google. But at one point, Google. Uh, right. kind of YouTube captions were very biased against uh, in terms of the word error rate, much, much higher word error right. rate for uh, yeah. certain populations, right? So like that stuff is being addressed through product improvements that I think are sometimes driven by these, yeah. these groups. I mean, I'm not on the inside right. yeah, yeah, anymore, sure. so I don't know, but yeah. um, that's a positive development. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's two. Let's yeah. see if I can come up with a third. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I, I actually, it sounds crazy, but I'm, I'm glad for this backlash against tech that we've seen sure, in the past yeah. few years. Um, I, uh, I feel, I feel that it's causing us to, it's forcing us to re-examine right. um, a lot, and it's very, yeah. there was too much sort of blind uh, acceptance, of, you know, sort of techno utopia, like anything, right. anything that can be done, the sort of, sort of Facebook early yeah. Facebook mentality. It's like anything that can be produced, yeah. uh, move fast and break things, produce stuff, yeah. just take, take a data set and whatever you can produce from that, predict from that data set you can and should, right. uh, like we've moved on from that. Yes. We are moving on from that mentality, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like the bare fact that a few years ago, a few years ago, maybe two years ago, there was a paper from a group at Stanford. I think it was, it might've been a group of undergrads at Stanford that had published this paper on how to predicting, uh, Someone's sexuality from oh, right, voice. Right, right, remember right, that paper? Right. And that got it's like ten years ago. That would have been seen as like really cool, and it wouldn't have been yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It would have you know definitely maybe raised in my eyebrows. But the, the, when it right. came out a couple of years ago, I'd say I would say it got a pretty right. significant backlash, right? Yeah. And so, and I think that's because we are now <laughs> questioning right. the yeah. we're questioning all tech is good, right, so, right, right. Yeah, I I think the dream used to be that. You know, for example, if you had like a computer judge something that it'll be fair and unbiased or, you know, utopic vision of of fairness comes from a machine without feelings. But I think we're coming to realize that it's impossible to (laughs) to take the societal biases out of of any system we build. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Unless you're consciously trying to. Yeah, you have to be aware of. Yeah. And not just so, not just in the field of AI and machine learning, yeah. but also let's just take say smartphone addiction, which I think is a real. I'm reading this book right now by Sherry Turkle called um, "Reclaiming Conversation," which I highly recommend to your listeners. 
Well, it's actually it's a couple years old. Uh, there's probably new stuff. She's probably done some new since then. But it's about it's about the unintended negative consequences of of personal technology like mm. smartphones, various devices, and how, for example, just having a phone on the table as you do uh, can degrade the quality of a conversation because oh. uh, you know. Right. You and I were looking at that phone and like you're thinking maybe in the back of your mind you're thinking this could ring or it could you could get a oh, text right, message right, right. at any moment. Maybe you're not thinking that because you're, sure. you're interviewing me. But uh, like at a at dinner conversation, you know, at dinner parties yeah, you'll yeah, often yeah. see people if right. they're not if they don't have their nose in their phone, they might right. still they might have, have it on the table. Next yeah. to right. Anyways, her point is that one of her many points is that that has a Effect, mm. a quantifiable effect on the quality of, of, of people's self-reflection and then also conversation right. with each other. So anyway, these days, the last year I've noticed Google and and others, maybe it's just Google introducing yep. um, sort of like the, feature, the, feature. the digital well-being. Yeah, yes, that's a yep. yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it's a, what the specific that is. Product, uh, yeah, that's a very utopian <laughs> <laughs> phrase, but I'm, I'm glad they're doing it. They're whatever whatever it's it. called, it's right? On, um, uh, so I'm, I'm really glad yeah. for for that. And again, and I think, and I think Apple works. is doing it as well. Oh, right, Apple to, is to be fair, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's you know, I think these businesses are having a pretty destructive effect on a lot of right. I'm really worried for the effect they're having on, on kids. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. We, having grown up without them, I think we're actually better equipped to, right. to, be, to be without them in yeah. quote-unquote normal life. But, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's very normal. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so that's uh, another trend. That did, I'm about. Have, have you seen the movie 8th Grade? No. Uh, no. But it's, it's very interesting. Anyway, ha- having not grown up, having not gone through, gone through 8th Grade, now versus uh, oh, a long time ago. Okay, anyway, I'll add but, that to my list. Okay, you read Reclaiming Conversation and I'll sure, watch. It's sure. great. Sounds great. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you for uh, thank you for for agreeing to be interviewed. Great, thank uh, this, you. Uh, hopefully, this was enjoyable. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I think it was fun. Thank yeah. you, thank you so much. Yeah, for having me. great.